by Melissa Davey uh, of The Guardian on the 9th of November 2018. And I specifically chose this article because it was well before COVID-19 pandemic. She wrote, entitled, Research finds 27.6% of Australians say they feel lonely at least three days every week. According to this research, now remember this is before COVID, more than one-fifth of Australians rarely or never feel they have someone to talk to or turn to for help. More than one-quarter feel lonely for at least three days a week, every week. Swinburne University in Melbourne and the Australian Psychological Society conducted the country's first research project on the impact of loneliness on physical and mental health and released their preliminary findings. A nationally representative sample of adults were asked to answer an online survey and when directly asked how lonely they felt, 50.5% of Australians reported they felt lonely for at least a day in the previous week. 27.6% felt lonely for three or more days. Nearly 30% rarely or never felt they were part of a group of friends. One in four, that's 25.5%, do not feel they have a lot in common with the people around them. The Australian Loneliness Report found one in five, 21.4%, rarely or never feel close to people, rarely or never feel they have someone to talk to, 22.1%, and don't feel they have people they can turn to, 21.4%. Nearly a quarter, 24.5%, say they can't find companionship when they want it. Anxiety about social interactions is also common. People reported that meeting people at parties, talking to unfamiliar people, and speaking with someone in authority provoked the most anxiety. Higher levels of loneliness are associated with higher levels of social uh, interaction, anxiety, and psychological distress, less social interaction, and poorer quality of life. Married Australians and those aged over 65 are the least lonely. No significant differences in loneliness was found between men and women. Though men reported being less social. Australians over 65 years also report better physical and mental health. Lower levels of social interaction anxiety, fewer depression symptoms, and greater social interaction than younger Australians, the study found. Just 11% of people have large friendship group they see at least once a month, while 8% don't see any friends regularly. About one-fifth never or seldom have a relative available to talk to. Dr. Michelle Lim, who was part of the research, said, Meaningful relationships protect physical and mental health. Quality is more than quantity, she said. More often than not, people are surrounded by friends. But if these friendships do not meet a person's needs, such as feeling supported or connected, then they will still feel lonely even if they have many friends. 
Tonight we're going to consider and face this giant of loneliness. As you know, we've started a series, Facing Our Giants. We've covered thus far the giant of disappointment, the giant of fear. And tonight, I'd like to encourage us to consider and face this giant of loneliness. Second Timothy chapter 4, please, will be our text. Second Timothy chapter 4, once you've found your spot, if you would be please stand with me. Second Timothy chapter 4, beginning here in verse 9. Paul wrote to Timothy, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but specially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, thank you once again that we have your preserved word inspired verbally and plenary. We can trust it. We can base our practice and our faith in it for it is the absolute truth thank you that for tonight uh, this common issue of loneliness we could glean to some biblical principles that we could apply into our lives thank you for these dear faithful folks that turn up tonight and for those that are watching us again father i pray I do not know the thoughts and intents of the heart of your people this evening. But the comfort is, is that you know. Help me to do justice to your word this evening. And Father, I pray that it will meet the needs of each and every one of us that's listening and watching tonight and indeed in the days coming out of the recording of this message. I pray, Father, that all that will be ever said and done this hour will be pleasing before you. Meet with us this evening, I pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Beloved, loneliness or being or feeling alone is not a new problem. It is not just one of the effects of COVID-19. Uh, it existed before the pandemic. Why before? Uh, Genesis in chapter 2 verse 18, Did not the Lord God said, is it, not, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. 
mid-1800s English novelist, short story writer, poet, and journalist Rudyard Kipling said, and I quote, The human soul is essentially a very lonely thing. We are born alone, we die alone, and in the depths of our heart we live alone. End of quote. That is a very pessimistic and sobering description of a human soul. But what about this man who wanted to join one of those lonely hearts clubs? He sent them his photo and they sent back a note that said, Thanks, but we are not that lonely. But jokes aside, don't you find it strange that in a world of some 8 billion people and growing by the second, 8 billion people, still so many find themselves alone and lonely. So what does the Bible say about loneliness? And how can we face this giant victoriously? We must first accept the reality of loneliness. The reality of loneliness. You see, saints and sinners alike are affected by this. You see, beloved, loneliness is not just being alone. Uh, there is a difference being, being alone in being alone and being lonely. There's a difference in being alone and in being lonely. Now, you and I can be alone and not be lonely. In fact, there are times, and I recommend this, that there should be this regular time that we come apart and be alone. In particular, being alone in prayer with God. Now you remember just a few weeks ago I took some time off. Come apart. And because of things happening at home and the sickness and everything, I, I, I haven't been able to do it. Uh, but I purpose in my heart that be, before we would go to the next six months of our ministry here, that I would. And can I tell you? It did me well. Oh, it did me well. And I recommend it to you to be alone sometimes. Not to be lonely, but to be alone with God. And did he not, did not the Lord Jesus himself did this as an example for all of us to follow after? Matthew 14, verse 23, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, the Bible says he was there alone. Conversely, you and I can be lonely and yet not be alone. You can be in a crowd. You can be in a church. You can be in Charleston where hundreds of people are in every day and yet be lonely. Warren Worsby, one of my favorite author commentators, defines loneliness this way. Quote, like many other feelings in our lives, it's easier to experience it than to define it. Loneliness is being all by yourself even when you're surrounded by people. Loneliness is a feeling of isolation even in the midst of a crowd. You feel unwanted. You feel unneeded. You feel as though there's nothing to live for. You feel as though nobody really cares anymore. That's loneliness. Loneliness eats away at the inner person. It saps you of strength. It robs you of hope. Loneliness, as it were, 
puts a wall around you no matter how free you may be. End of quote. Do you see yourself in that definition tonight, beloved? Unnoticed, unloved, uncared for, unneeded, unnecessary. You feel as if you've expired and reached your use-by date. Loneliness has also the following effects on us. Firstly, physically. Of course, it's not true of everyone, uh, but um, I read that more than 50% of the heart patients admitted in the hospital were lonely and depressed before they had their heart attack. Some research indicates that there's a relationship between loneliness and certain kinds of cancer. Loneliness also comes with emotional consequences. Listen to this. Apparently, half a million Americans every year attempt suicide due to loneliness. 80% of psychiatric patients interviewed said that they sought help because of loneliness. Now, if there's physical, if there's emotional, there's spiritual consequences. It will be a part, or it is a part, of the devastation that this giant inflicts upon people, again, saints and sinners alike. Beloved, even those we consider the giants of our faith, they too faced their own giants of loneliness. We see that in the life of Elijah, isn't it? In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9. He was alone, and in that solitude turned into loneliness. And then he uttered that lonesome statement, I, even I, only am left. Not true, of course, but that's how he felt at the time. Now you go back a couple of chapters, in chapter 17, uh, Elijah was also alone, but he wasn't lonely. He was by the brook Cherith. His company was the brook itself and the ravens that fed, him, that fed him cakes and sustained him. He was alone, but not lonely. And yet two chapters after, after an enormous victory in fact, he found himself lonely. Are you like Elijah this evening? You feel alone and lonely. What about David? The very man who was referred to as the man after God's own heart. He too contended with loneliness. Listen to some of the Psalms that he's written. Psalm 102 verses 4 to 7. My heart is smitten and withered like a grass. Uh, so that I forgot, forget to eat my bread. By reason of the voice of my groaning, my bones cleave to my skin. I'm like a pelican of the wilderness. I'm like an owl of the desert. I watch and am as a, as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. Psalm 142 verse 4. I looked to my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. David wasn't immune to loneliness just like you and me. There was Elijah. There was David. And it may seem unexpected, but Paul himself contended with loneliness. And that's our text. Our text this evening was from the last letter Paul wrote before he died. In effect, these were Paul's last words, and one can conclude that Paul died a very lonely man. Yeah, this great man of God, who did great things for God, died a lonesome death. Beloved, think about where he was before he was executed. 
he was in the maritime prison in Rome. Now, as part of my preparation for this evening, I took it upon myself to uh, read, uh, read and, and look up some documentary about maritime prison. And uh, I was wanting to show you one of these videos, but because of our streaming rights, uh, I, I wouldn't and I couldn't. But I recommend it to you. Google it up. Maritime prison, and there's a f few there, but select the ones that uh, is... Uh, I'd say that is closely related to the truth or at least run by Christian organizations. And you'll have a, a deeper understanding of what and where Paul was during that time. Perhaps after you've seen it, say a prayer. Say a prayer. Folks, Paul did not write this letter in, this, in his air-conditioned office. He wrote this letter in a dark, dumpy, dismal jail cell. The jail cell of today would be five-star hotel compared to where Paul was. Some accounts even describe these underground prison cells being infested and littered with seeping sewage. He was alone, away from the crowds, the crowd that he loved ministering to, and the crowd that ministered back to him. Only Luke was with him, the letter says. He must have been feeling the cold of winter, verse 13. He said to Timothy, bring the cloak. He knew these were his last days, verse 6. For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. Notice verse 16. Paul said, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Where were the believers that benefited from his ministry? Where were the men? Where were the women? Where were the church members of the many churches that he opened and started? Not one can stand by him and with him, testify to the Roman governors of the day of what he has done for the cause of Christ and for the churches that he cared so much about. Talk about being alone. Do you feel that tonight? Those that you thought would be with you, stand by you, defend you, well, they were MIA, missing in action. They weren't there. Do you feel alone in your stand and service for Christ? As loneliness is real, Secondly, there are also reasons for loneliness. Why is this giant so common? What causes it? I'm sure many of the great minds in sociology, psychology, and other allied health studied this subject. I'm sure there were plenty of theories, of opinions, etc., etc., but for our purposes tonight, let me just share at least three Things that I've learned are some or could be the reasons for loneliness. First, beloved, it may well be because of the society that we live in itself. Loneliness could be caused by our society itself. Now, beloved, whether we agree or not, 
accept or acknowledge it, we live in an impersonal society. For the many things we do, whether we go to the shops to buy food, whether we go to the bank to do business, to pay our bills, if you like, do you not notice for the most part they no longer ask our names? I am concerned we are now, be, we are now but a number, a reference, a transaction number, an account number, a case number. No longer a name but a number. Now how impersonal is that? You go to some fast food chains these days. Order number 45. I know, I've been there. I changed it in my store. We called them by name, didn't we? Now to prove this, I received an email from our church bank the other day. They want to verify my personal details, otherwise they'll close or restrict our account. And so uh, I was a bit weary, Brother Branko, because of the scams lately and all this. So I've uh, ventured to contact the number on the letter. The very first question I was asked was not my name, but the reference number. (laughs) The reference number on the letter they sent. And then, for me to prove my identity, I have to turn up to the nearest bank and submit either my license number or my passport number. What happened to my name? Am I a person or a plastic card? Folks, we have become a society of computerized, impersonal, voice-activated, generated society. You call an organization today and a computer will answer you. First, you have to identify yourself by your PIN number. And if you are after something, press 1. If such and such, press 2. If another uh, item, you go 3, option 4, option 5. And then if you don't know which department, and then it will say to you... um, The computer will say, please hold, and somebody will be with you shortly. Then it will say, you are now number three in the queue. Uh, Thirty minutes or so later, some even longer, uh, a person halfway around the world will talk to you, and you go through the same experience again. Your username, your password, which consists of what? Letters and numbers. No wonder nearly half the population is lonely. You do not get to talk to persons anymore these days. And hey, listen, we're not the wiser either. I say this in love. How many of you knows your neighbor's name? I don't. And I've moved into this rented place in December last year. Shame on me. My excuse is I tried to knock on their doors one time. There was no person. I didn't go back. But I should. For many of us, we're content with a wave. We're putting our beans in. Or a token Merry Christmas. But years roll on. We don't know the names of our neighbors. You see, man gives us a number, but God gives us a name. John chapter 10, verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. No doubt about it, our society itself Uh, is one of the causes of loneliness. Secondly, I believe loneliness can also be caused, believe it or not, by our service or the position we hold. If you are or have been in business or held a management position, you would know of the late Peter Drucker, an Australian 
uh, sorry, Austrian-American management consultant, educator, and author whose writings contributed to the philosophical and practical foundations of the modern business corporation. One of the books and references that we used to have a long time ago. Peter Drucker once said that the four toughest jobs in America are these. To be the president of the United States of America. Number two, to be the president of a major university. Number three, to be the chief administrator of a large hospital. And number four, to be the senior pastor of a large church. Folks, you may not agree with me, but positions and places of leadership can really be a very lonely place for most of the time. Many come to them for help, and yet they themselves have nowhere or no one to go and get help for themselves. Think of Moses. Turn to Numbers chapter 11 in the Old Covenant. Numbers chapter 11. Verse 10 to 15. Have a good listen to what Moses is saying here. Numbers chapter 11, verse 10. Then Moses heard the people weep through their families, every man in the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all these people upon me? Have I conceived all these people? Have I begotten them, that thou shouldest say unto me, Carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father, beareth the sucking child unto the land, which thou swearest unto their fathers? When should I have flesh to give unto all these people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all these people alone, because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee. Out of hand, if I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. Now this is Moses giant of our faith. Is it any wonder, beloved, that a new Barna study discovered that 38% of pastors in America have given real serious consideration to quitting the ministry in the past year alone? And we would say as Australians, well, that's just in America. I don't blame them with the kind of Christians they have there. Yeah, 38%. It's probably meaning. Now before you dismiss the survey, Australian ministers aren't doing too well either. Anglicans, Presbyterians, Baptists, as well as non-denominational Protestant churches, 35% have wondered whether they should leave the ministry altogether. Australians. Researcher Mrs. Ling says that for a range of reasons, the clergy might put on a bit of a front when dealing with others in the same way a shop assistant might put on a nice face and a nice smile for a customer. The top three reasons given by ministers who had considered quitting was the stress of their job Loneliness and that their family suffers. Oh, beloved, no doubt. Christian service is not easy and is lonely. It will rob you of your time with your family, you'll become the target of criticism. Envy and blame. 
But what a privilege to be one of God's servants. Try not to be discouraged too much, my dear ones. That little kid, Sunday school that you're teaching, that privilege of teaching the young and the young at heart here in Sunday school, adults, that serving in the kitchen with the complaints and bad attitude that you have to contend with every Sunday, those that are non-submissive, disobedient, critics, erring brothers and sisters, yeah, all of them. They break your heart and they will break your heart. But remember, you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for the Lord. So keep on keeping on. Even though you feel like quitting and giving it all up. Remember in God's service and the loneliness that comes with it, there may be weeping through the night. There is always joy in the morning. The Bible says that his mercy endureth forever. And it is fresh every morning. You know, sometimes you just have to sleep it off, literally. It's amazing how a good sleep can change your perspective. The feeling doesn't go away, but it gives you a fresh mind. Remember, in God's service, there's loneliness. No doubt about its sufferings. Sufferings can be one of the times that lead us to loneliness. That's point number three. We just established that loneliness is real. And there are reasons for it. And suffering, beloved, is one of those reasons. Again, let us go to the scriptures. Think of Job. Think of how this man suffered. He lost all, not some, but all of his wealth in one day. Now, some of you will say, forget that, Pastor. He can earn it again. He can start again. That's true. But hey, he lost his children in one day. He lost his own health. In essence, he lost his wife. He lost his friends. Rather than be a comfort and be compassionate to him, they became his critics. Job lost all, but not his faith. You having a Job moment? You feel alone and no one understands? Like you are in an island somewhere all by yourself, carrying the burdens and the losses all by yourself? Even those that were close and dear to you, it's as if they don't or didn't care. Job moment. That may be so, but there is one with a capital O and cares. And really cares. He's really all that matters. Your friends might criticize you. Your own spouse may walk out on you. But oh, beloved, not the Lord. He will never leave you nor forsake you in your suffering. He won't criticize you. He'll not curse you as his child. Instead, he will care for you. Oh, he may chastise you, but that's for your own good because he loves you. Hey, more than Job, the Lord Jesus himself suffered more, much, much more. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. John 1, verse 11. He was a prophet that is not without honor, or not being honored in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. Mark chapter 6, verse 4. He was falsely accused, called all sorts of names, Dismissed, discredited, disqualified, and ultimately crucified at the cross. Oh, beloved, if there's anyone who has suffered much, live the lonely life, it will have to be the Lord.
He knew that and how it was like to be lonely. Hebrews 4 verse 15. To be forsaken even by his own father. Matthew 27, Psalm 22. Now up to this point, it's pretty grim, isn't it? Pretty negative preaching, Pastor Manny. <laughs> you know? We have considered the reality of loneliness, the reasons for loneliness. Look in closing, let us consider the relief from loneliness. How do we get relief? Out of this. Well, let's revisit Elijah from the cave and Paul in prison, if you like, and perhaps learn how to get relief and apply these into our lives. Firstly, let me remind you of our sermon series early this year. In particular, the pursuing and the performing of our purpose. We're not done until the Lord says that we are. Back in 1 Kings chapter 19, when Elijah was having a time of loneliness, notice what the Lord said unto him in verse 15. Go, return. Go, return. Uh, Why is that? Because Elijah and the Lord is not finished with him. He's still yet to anoint Jehu to be the king of Israel. He still has to anoint his successor in Elisha. Okay. As the new prophet of Israel. You see beloved for far too many times. The reason why we remain lonely. Is because we have stopped serving. We have parked our purposes for the Lord. We have not pursued nor performed what we have committed to him. You want relief from loneliness? Just like Elijah, go and return to serving. I don't want to be dismissive of your loneliness, okay? But don't sit around and feel sorry for yourself all the time. Ain't going to do you no good to be sitting and sulking. Rather, be serving. Serving. Get back and get busy in the Lord again. What about Paul in our text? 2 Timothy 4, here in verse 13. Bring the books, but especially the parchments. What for, Paul? You're about to die by execution. What good is the parchments parchments for you? You are getting out of jail, mate. This is it. This is the last stop. You're about to lose your head. What good are the parchments? Let me tell you by personal experience. The parchments, the Bible, the Word of God is your best relief for loneliness. Trust me, I'm an expert. It is your best relief for loneliness. In this book, you will find comfort in your weary soul. In this book, you will find challenge when you're cruising along. In this book, you will find confidence when you are discouraged. In this book, you will find confirmation when you yourself are confused. In this book, you will find chastisement unto your soul. Get serving again. Get reading the word again. Thirdly, get fellowshipping again. More often than not, when we are lonely, rather than being with people, we withdraw. We withdraw from people. Look at what Paul said to Timothy in verse 9. 
Come soon, Timothy. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. By the way, bring Mark with you. Hang on, wasn't this the Mark that he decided to leave on one of his second, or in one of his missionary journeys? Second, I think it was. It's amazing how at this time, bring Mark with you. Why? For he is profitable for me. Now, every commentator that's out there have an opinion on it, and they're probably all right. But here's the thought. Is it possible that John Mark pulled his head in and listened to the loving rebuke of the Apostle Paul? And because of that, he heeded Paul's advice. He became profitable. He didn't chuck a fit. He didn't walk out. He said, you know what? I was rebuked by Paul. I'll internalize it. And I will do better. Towards the end of his life, Paul was asking for this. Take him with you, for he is profitable for me. Clearly, Paul, in his time of loneliness and knowing that he is about to leave this earth, he wanted to fellowship with the people that he loved and people that were dear unto him, and they are dear, uh, uh, those people that are dear unto him, and they themselves love him for one last time. You know, folks, don't withdraw from fellowship. You may not like all the things that go on in this place. You have a thing or two to say about this place, but keep on coming. Don't look for the things that are things that are ugly. When you fellowship with people, uh, can I suggest talk about what unites and not what divides? Talk about what is pleasing and not the displeasing. Talk about the encouraging rather than the discouraging. Talk about honesty, not hypocrisy. Talk about what is true and what is not, what is, and not what is false. Fellowship in Christ crucified and not self and self-glorification. If you're going to look for some ugly things, you will find it always, all the time. Here, and don't ever think that you will find it somewhere else. It's a different face, a different colored hair, but it's the same issue. Helen Kerr told of how all her life she had been sheltered and somewhat pampered by her family. She was the youngest of five children. She had never known what it was to be alone. Her family was always together, did things together, worked together, played together, sang together, worshipped together. But she found herself at a time in life when her parents, her brother, and three sisters have all been taken from her. The last two dying exactly one month apart. She suddenly found herself in an empty house. She never had a key. For there was always someone there to let her in. Now, there was no one. For a few weeks, her niece stayed with her, but the time came when she had to leave. She drove her to the station, drove back home, and sat in the driveway for a while, dreading to go in. Finally, she stilled herself, and for the first time in her life, she walked in this house 
all alone. As she walked up the steps, she prayed, Oh God, help me. The first thing she did when she got inside was to turn the radio on so that there would be sound in that silent, empty house. She walked to the wardrobe to hang her coat up. When over the radio, she said, she heard, No, never alone. No, never alone. He promised never to leave me. Never to leave me. Alone. It was the old-fashioned revival hour quartet singing. She said, quote, To me, it was the very voice of God in answer to the cry of my heart. I realized as never before that my Lord was there with me and that I was never alone. All my life, I had depended on my family for companionship. From that moment, I learned to depend on him. Folks, I don't know where you are at tonight. I don't really know the thoughts and intents of your heart this evening. And you may actually be overwhelmed by loneliness. And it's true. There is so much that I do not know about you. But I do know this. As a child of God, you're never alone. And in Him, you don't have to be lonely. Keep or get back in serving. Start reading the parchments, the Word again. And keep fellowshipping with your brothers and sisters, even though you see things that are not always lovely. Draw strength from each other. Talk about those things that unites us rather than those that divides us. Father in heaven, thank you for this time. Thank you that there is a cure for loneliness. And indeed, Father, the best one of all is the confidence and the assurance that we are never alone and they are, we are never without you, your Holy Spirit indwelling us. But let it not just be being indwelt, but rather us being filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the reminder. Thank you for the comfort of this. And I pray, Lord, as we leave this place, we would make personal applications for our lives. We do ask all of these things in Jesus' name.